The reading is from Mark, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed, and some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. When he was alone, those who were around him, along with the twelve, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, Everything comes in parables, in order that they may indeed look, but not perceive, and may indeed listen, but not understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root and endure only for a while. Then, when trouble and or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are those sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, and it yields nothing. And these are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word and accept it, and bear fruit, thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. He said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under the bushel basket or under the bed, and not on the lampstand? For there is nothing hidden 
except to be disclosed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get, and still more will be given to you. For to those who have, more will be given. And from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. He also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground, and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs, and puts forth large branches, branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The word of the Lord. God, in all the ways you know we need, we pray that you will speak to our hearts and our minds today. Inspire in us a sense of your presence in our worship, in our song, in our prayer, our reading of your word. Inspire in us a sense of your direction in our lives, that we may serve you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Our lesson today is most of the fourth chapter of Mark. And because the narrative lectionary uses these larger chunks, we've got several pieces to it. Not going to spend time on each of the pieces, but, but some of the pieces are troubling. And I won't relieve some of that trouble today. It's just what it is. God speaks to you through God's word in the way that God would. In this section, though, there are uh, four parables and two places where Jesus teaches, where Jesus offers some sort of guidance about the parable. So first is the parable of the sower, and then dialogue with his disciples and immediate followers about why he uses parables. And he quotes Isaiah, 
Then he explains the parable of the sower. Then there is the parable of hidden light. Then the parable of the seed and harvest. Parable of the mustard seed. And then, again, saying, uh, telling his disciples about why he speaks in parables. Four parables, three of them are about seeds and planting and harvest. So, so our, our metaphor today is an agricultural example. And I want to caution us about what is really typical and a typical pitfall when we deal with parables, and that is to make them mean everything. You've heard me say this, a parable, every parable means something, and, and the good ones mean more than a couple of things. But no parable means everything. We need to take the whole of Scripture, the whole of Jesus' teaching, the whole of the story of Jesus and Jesus' ministry together. So this means something. And the temptation is to take the metaphor that Jesus uses in a parable too far. And uh, that happened over and over again in my study with my colleagues this week because pastors always go too far. The metaphor does not lend itself to us figuring out how to create soil that's better. That's not what the parable is about. It doesn't, it, it's not about the mystery of seed growing, although the second parable of the seed and the harvest is. We can, we can see ourselves as, well, how are we supposed to spread the seed further? And maybe that's, again, taking the metaphor a little too far. Focus on the point, the point of these parables, and this the seed and the sower. The seed is the word of God. And that word that Jesus was sent to bring was this, what we talked about last week and the week before, that, that is the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God loves you, and Jesus came to prove it. That's it. That seed has the potential for great growth in us. The seed is the word, and the word can grow in the hearts and lives of those who hear it, but that growth is not up to us. It's not up to us. We make meaning in stories by putting ourselves in the story. And in this case, there's probably a couple of key ways where we may do that. We may see ourselves as the soil in this, and that's that is one of Jesus' intentions in this story. The seed is sown, and some people are like rocky soil. Some people are like the path. Some people live among thorns. And yet others are good soil that yield a great harvest. Just as uh, much a reality for our lives, our lives of faith, that we may resonate with one of these, there's also this point in the story where we, again, when we take the metaphor too far, in the story... Soil has no agency whatsoever. It cannot make itself what it's not. But we do. That's the place where the metaphor ends. Many times in worship, we will use this, pastors will use this and talk about how we may be in a season in our walk of faith or in our life that feels like good soil or that feels like we're stomped down and we are the path. We're not doomed to be that for our whole lives, but it may be a statement of reality about where we find ourselves in our walk of faith. 
we have the agency to engage in a deeper level than the metaphor of this story. That's where the metaphor ends. The second place that we can find ourselves in this story, which is a a very common one too, is that we are called to be the ones in other places in Jesus' teaching. We are called to be the ones who are sowing, sowing the seed. So we're called to be the farmer in this story as well. That may be where we resonate with this image. And then we struggle with and figure out what it means to do what God calls us to, to be the one who shares and spreads and plants the seed. If that's where we find ourselves in the story, then we need to see that the farmer is sent out to sow recklessly, with abandon, throwing seed everywhere. That's the only way there's a chance for a good harvest, that it goes everywhere. In our modern enlightened minds, we would really rather that Jesus did not speak in parables. I was listening to a podcast commentary this week, and the, the Semprof said, would it be easier if Jesus would just give us his thesis? And then we could, you know, and then what to do? And we say, okay, great, then we do that. But no, no, he's got to use pictures and language and parables and... It's hard to figure out. That's kind of the point. Jesus is establishing there's no free ride in this relationship. You have to work on it. So I was reading this this week and hearing that. I, I remembered there's a small little scene from the movie National Treasure from you know, 15 years ago. Or whatever. It's a story about a treasure hunt. And at one point of exasperation, one of the characters says, why do we have to have a map? Why can't it just be a note? A note that says, go here, there's the treasure, spend wisely. But it's got to be a map. Why does it have to be parables? Why do we have to do the work? Because most of us are lazy by nature. We don't want to do the work. But Jesus says there's no free rides. He speaks in parables because he knows that some people will reject him anyway. So he's certainly not going to make it easy for them. But the people who engage grow into a deeper understanding of their relationship with this word that is the seed that is God loves you and Jesus came to prove it. It's only there that we have the capacity for better, deeper growth and yield of fruit and harvest. We we get exhausted sometimes in doing the work. And I have a southern friend who uh, usually he uses southern phrases when we're talking. It's, most of the time it's in self-deprecating ways. And one of the phrases that he uses often that I, uh, I appreciate, and usually he uses it when he's talking about his family, talking about him. They say, they'll say of me, there's a lot of quit in him. <laughs> that boy's got a lot of quit in him. Don't we all? Don't we all? But this, this takes work. Jesus invites us into that work of figuring out what this means in our lives, figuring out what this relationship is like, and then growing in it. That's what these illustrations are about. In the middle, between the two parables about growing, is this, this part that's, that's troubling. It's about this message being hidden. And... Uh, The part that we hear most is this. Those who have, to those who have, more will be given. 
For those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Well, that's not fair. That's not fair. That's what we hear. And immediately we, whether we mean to or not, begin to think, that's not very democratic. It's not very equitable. And we think about stuff. We think when it says those who have money, more will be given. This is not about money. This is not about wealth. But we superimpose that in here and hear that this is about all things, and it's not. It's about Jesus' teaching. Because that statement starts with, pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get. Then the passage that I read. So what does it mean and how do we hear it if this passage is about compassion, faith, or love? The measure you give in love is the measure you will receive. For those who have compassion, more will be given to them. But those who have no compassion, even what little compassion they have will be taken away from them. This is far, uh, just as much descriptive as it is prescriptive. This is a, des- a description of what happens when we don't engage in the things of faith purposefully. When we don't do the work. It's childish to read this text and see that it's about money and about wealth and then react defensively and say, oh, it's not fair. No, oftentimes we are not fair. It's the way we behave. It's the way we engage with Jesus in hearing what Jesus has to say. Jesus uses parables to teach the people around him that this this relationship that I'm, I'm inviting you into is not a free ride. It takes work. It takes engagement. This, um, this Mark's telling the story of Jesus and Jesus' ministry is, is interesting because this chapter 4 is the first time that Jesus speaks and teaches the crowd. He's been three chapters of doing before he gets to the teaching part. It's an important thing to balance. And then understand that this, in Mark's telling of the story of Jesus and his ministry, this parable of the sower is a thesis for what will be coming next. The, the soil that's the ground, the soil that is among thorns, the rocky soil, the good soil, these will be lived out in the next parts of Mark's telling of the story when Jesus encounters the Gerasian demoniac, when, Ger- when Jesus encounters the rich young ruler. This is the thesis. And in Mark's telling, it starts with doing, then the teaching. And then the living out of that teaching. It's important for us to, to see that and hear that in the narrative that we are going to be reading for the next several months. The word of God is that which has the potential to grow up into abundant, abundant harvest in our lives. Fullness in our hearts and lives. We can't make it grow. But we can choose shallow engagement and the lure of the world's endeavors, and choke it out. We're being called to choose otherwise. We don't make the seed grow, but we can hinder it and reject it.
When I hear these, these parables and stories of agricultural images, um, I have some experiences of actually walking the land that come to mind. My brother-in-law is a fourth-generation rancher in Goldendale, Washington. And when we lived there in the Northwest, we would go visit him and his family often and, and uh, on holidays and summer times. And uh, one time, early summer, we were visiting and oftentimes when we, where they live is this amazing spot. It's right on the Columbia River. Their, their main place and their, the center of their ranch looks out over the Columbia River Gorge on the dry side of the Cascade Mountain Range. And uh, you can see the river go off in each direction and Mount Hood in the distance. And then when you turn and look uphill from the river, everything you can see is his ranch. So we play and we hike on the ridge and, and there's places where, the, where he and his father and his grandfather and his great-grandfather, where, where they've carved out places to grow crops on the bluffs and in the flat spots of the land. And so uh, several years ago, we were hiking up on the ridge with our kids and the kids were running on ahead and we came out on the bluff where he's got a, a plowed field. And the field was, looked to me like it was freshly plowed, it was just dirt. And as we're walking across it, I said, so what are you gonna plant here? And he says, I did. I said, what do you mean? And he said, didn't grow. As we're walking along, I'm confused by this, I'm struggling with this, and I said, what do you mean it didn't grow? What did you plant here? Well, I planted hay, just like down there. And he gestures a mile away, across to another bluff where there's a, a mown field. And I know, we were just talking about it, he'd already had a cutting of hay off of that field. And I said, you, you cut hay on that, what, what happened here? Did you get bad seed? He said, no, plant the same seed here as it did over there. Did it not rain? <laughs> no, it rained enough, because look at that. What happened? And he just looked at me and said, sometimes it doesn't grow. I looked around and there was not a scrub growing in this, on this plot of land right then. And realized I do not have enough faith to be a farmer. If that happens once in a while, even once in a while, it's going to devastate me. I, we don't control the growing of the seed. The seed is God's department. The seed is God's word. The love of God whose name is Jesus. We can decide whether we're going to plant it, encourage it, or hinder it. So today, in this text, our commission and our call is to do with anything that, everything that's within our power to help nurture the growth of that seed in our lives, in ourselves. That it may grow up and bear a yield, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Then, with that seed, the Word of God growing in us, we are sent out to scatter seed recklessly and share that Word that word of God with others. Let's get to it. Amen.